0: All right, welcome in, Hot Grits Podcast. Before we start today's episode, got a little special segment for you guys. Our Hot Grits Podcast Bracket Challenge group winner, Kellen Blankenship. Uh, 1,100 points in the group, sponsored by John Carr Realtor, the number one realtor in the Savannah area. We got Kellen with us now. Kellen, uh, I guess I want to ask you first, you picked Kansas – correctly were you just waiting on Kansas the whole bracket because you were kind of lurking in the shadows like around the top 10 top 20 area but then you just vaulted up at the end
1: um yeah I was kind of looking at the bracket every day and just kind of saw that if Kansas just crept to the championship and somehow won it then I kind of just figured as if everybody kept getting eliminated that I would stand alone
0: so so the whole tournament, you just start becoming more and more of like a Kansas expert during the tournament because that's like the only team you were tracking. Yeah,
1: it all well, It all started with Spencer when I was listening to the podcast. And if I remember exactly, it was like episode 105 when he said uh, Kansas is one of the more faster-paced teams in the tournament. And I just kind of held on to that. And when I filled out the bracket, I just kind of thought, I'm going to use that and take Kansas all the way.
0: Well, Spencer, yeah. how do you feel about that? Because you finished, uh, you were abysmal in the bracket challenge. You'll be caddying for me. You were terrible. Uh, you finished 39th out
2: Did
1: of not 70. Do
0: well. Pretty brutal. So uh, your cousin, Kellen, takes your advice, wins the whole shebang. Meanwhile, you're in 39th. Thoughts?
2: Could not be more proud. I don't care what I place. I'm I'm extremely proud of him. Uh, he's also, he's the same guy that we shouted out last week with the 13, 13 punchies. Going to play in Aiken. Mm-hmm. I love this kid, so could not be more happy. And uh, we're gonna get do Travis. We're gonna get that score under 85, buddy.
0: Oh, whatever. As long as you're caddying for me, that's all I care about. Well, look, I want to bring John Carr in because he's the guy that sponsors this whole thing. He's the reason why Kellen Blankenship's getting his 150 dollars. Uh, John, did you have any uh, congratulatory words for our bracket group winner this year?
3: Yeah, couldn't be happier for Kellen uh, since I've known Kellen for – since his Calvary Summer Camp days and actually taught him and coached him. Uh, A lot of scumbags in the bracket challenge this year. I didn't want to win money. Glad Kellen pulled it (laughs) off. And uh, I need to hear more about this Break 85 challenge uh, on another episode. But, man, I'm pumped for you, Kellen. And uh, I guess I cut out in the beginning. Like, do we know what he's going to spend all his money on yet?
0: No, that's a good question, though. Kellen, what what are you going to spend your winnings on?
3: Um, I
1: kind of might do the responsible thing and put it towards college just because I got to work for my baseball money. So I can kind of just start a little send the foundation money back. there. Send the money I don't back. like that.
3: I don't like that. No, yeah, send, send the the money it back. back, dude. No, do so, like, you got to do something fun with it, man.
0: He's getting shoes, y'all. He's getting yeah. shoes. Don't yeah. let him. Dude, don't
3: let him. Do. Shoes are an investment, though, right? You can just flip them. Like, yeah. That's a real investment. Not like Roth IRA, stocks, whatever. Shoes, man it's it's an appreciating asset
0: right <laughs> yeah i guess
3: i don't Kellen, like don't that it spending what to do with it
0: money. towards college like saving it for college hey you gotta
1: start somewhere
0: <laughs> i like that well hey dude congrats again on winning um john carr has got you that money i believe he sent it to your mom that way you can retain your amateur status is that right john
3: Correct. As as far as uh as far as I'm concerned, Kel was never involved with this and he has no involvement with this. And uh also I didn't just give financial advice. Please talk to your financial professional. And and (laughs) Kellen's mom is the winner of the hundred (laughs) fifty dollars.
0: I like that. All right, Kellen, any last words, my man? Um, nah, thank y'all for
3: having me on here.
0: All right, man. Well, hey, we appreciate it. Appreciate you playing. And thanks, John Carr, for sponsoring it. Again, uh, if you want to buy or sell real estate in the Savannah area, John Carr's your guy. 912-228-0916. Uh, or visit him online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can also find him through Seaport Real Estate. All right. Thanks, fellas.
4: Ain't
2: nobody good. Uh, this your boy, oh, Count I always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying
0: saucers. You might as well just walk up to keep it while he's on his lunch break. you like know, cranking his or something. Yeah. i right like so <laughs> little baby right now. We'll see that.
2: We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast and yet to bring up not one sport.
0: <laughs> All right. Welcome in. Episode 109. Of the podcast, I'm Travis Sedon. With me, as always, Spencer Maddox. Uh, Spencer, let's jump right into the latest and greatest news, or biggest news, I should say, in the Savannah area this week. Uh, we record. We're recording on Tuesday, April 5th, a day later than we usually do for several reasons. One of those reasons was because we expected the Savannah State football head coaching job to be filled. We learned this Monday night. Um, Thanks to reporting from Amy Zimmer of WJCL and Andrew Goldstein of WSAV that the news would break today, this morning, Tuesday morning, um, that Savannah state has hired a new football coach. We've obviously been clamoring for Russell DeMossi on this podcast forever. He did not get the job and what we predicted would happen. Spencer happened. They allowed Russell DeMossi to recruit and sign an entire recruiting class They allowed him to begin, after planning spring camp and all the work that goes into that, trying to find coaches to help him run spring camp because all the assistant coaches dipped because they saw the writing on the wall, Uh, they let Russell Damasi start spring camp. And then they let him go a day after it starts in favor of one Aaron Kelton. Aaron Kelton, you guys will remember from episode 106, was one of the finalists that I first reported would be a finalist along with Russell DeMossi for the job. Um, So Spencer, that's basically the premise of what's happened today. You know, as we record this Tuesday afternoon, Savannah state has a new head coach. They asked Russell DeMossi to remain on board as the offensive coordinator. He obviously declined that. And on Twitter, Facebook, basically everywhere you look today, Savannah state is rightfully getting ridiculed for the way they've handled this. Um, I'll let you kind of give your thoughts from afar. Cause I've been plugged in on this, but you know, what are you shocked at all that Savannah state baffled and fumbled this whole thing from the start? Are you shocked at all?
2: Sadly, I am not shocked. Um, we, like you said, we kind of saw this coming. Um, it's just, It's wrong to me. One, the way they handled it is wrong, especially the way you just laid it out. Um, That's not how anything should have gone down, especially with Russ being the interim head coach. You would think he has a leg up, given that he's been a a major part of some of the most successful seasons in Savannah State football history, given how dismal they've been our entire lives. Um so you would think you'd want to take care of a guy like that um who's like kind of made you a little at least a little bit relevant in a city that did not care about you before. Um and I think it's a slap in the face to bring in a guy who you've told me is 0 in 22 as a head coach at shorter university. That is ridiculous. Um I don't know what he could have possibly brought to the table to be better than Russell. There's no interview that you can give that will hide an 0 and 22 record. Um, And if you've got a guy that's incumbent that clearly wants to be at your your university, which I'm going to go ahead and tell you, not a lot of people do, uh, but he, he likes the kids. He wants to be at the university. um, You should have given him the job and it's wrong. And there's no real reason to do it. If you want to say it's because for, for racial reasons, you want to promote a black man. Okay. The the black guys you keep hiring keep leaving. Um and I'm any anyone who does well is leaving and you got a guy, regardless of skin color, that wanted to be there and you turned him down. Um so I, yep. I think the outrage is correct and I'm I'm clearly on Russell's side here.
0: So here's the thing, and to that point, it's very clear that Savannah State wanted to have a black football head coach. I mean that's very fucking obvious. Okay? And there's nothing it's, wrong with
2: that, right? And there
0: is nothing at all wrong with that. Like, well, look, it's not up to us to decide whether there's something wrong with that. Who the fuck knows? But the point is, it's so yeah. obvious and see-through that you should just acknowledge it. But this university and this athletics department does nothing that makes sense. They don't do anything logical. They don't make anything easy on themselves. They shit the bed whenever they are given the opportunity. They were handed a successful winning program on the football field for the first time in forever. Not because of anything they did, but because of largely because of two men, because of Russell DeMossi and because of Sean Quinn. It did not have anything to do with the athletic higher-ups. It did not have anything to do with the president of the university. It did not have anything to do with them moving down to Division Two. It had nothing to do with anyone outside of that football program. They had a good thing going. And of course, once that happens, they can't have that. Savannah State can't have nice things because they constantly break them. And that's what they did with Russell, who was loyal to them since 2013. It's like you said, Spencer, like nobody has been loyal to this program. Not you, not anybody, not alumni, not fans. Nobody has been loyal to this program more than Russell Demasi had been. Almost, you could even make the argument that Russell did it to his own detriment. That's how loyal he was to Savannah State. Oh, I
2: absolutely would make that argument.
0: Yeah, so surely he could have gotten out and got himself a better situation. And I'm sure he had people in his ear telling him, look, you need to look out for yourself, Russell. Like, I think Savannah State could screw you here. But instead, what he did was put his nose to the ground, worked his dick off, and he got fucked for it. He got screwed for it at Savannah State. And I don't think it's because he's white, but I do think the fact that they've had you know, uh, Eric Rayburn was a white man head coach. He f- gets fired. Sean Quinn, a white man, gets hired after being he gets, he
2: gets. Hold on, set that set that up a little bit better. He got fired after a winning season, correct?
0: Uh, no, Rayburn did not. He, he he was like having moderate success moderate for Savannah success State, a, for Savannah State standards. Now, let's be clear, he was only winning three or four games a year, but okay. they were no longer losing twenty something straight games. Does that make sense? Right. Like they were. Yes.
2: So, so there was a step forward there.
0: Right. And so he gets fired right in December of 2018. Okay. Then Sean Quinn gets the interim role immediately and he gets the full-time role in March or I'm sorry. So Rayburn leaves in December of 2017 or December of 2018. I'm sorry. And then Quinn leaves December of 2021, this past December to go to Virginia tech. Russell gets the by, interim role and and then by in all regards points. by all regards
2: Quinn has done a fantastic job at that university. Everyone I've spoken to, well, um, he did you, yeah, he did, did a that.
0: fantastic job. I mean, he did right. an awesome job. And so and so he moves on to a Division 1 position coach job. Like that's not that crazy. I mean, that's a normal I think step up. You know, although Sean Quinn may have seen the writing on the wall that he wasn't going to have any loyalty shown to him at Savannah State either. But you know, to get back to Russell the fact of the matter is they knew what they were doing this whole time. They had net, they never had any intention of hiring Russell DeMossi to be their full-time head coach. They used him up and then they handed the keys over to a man that so clearly did not deserve it. Now, Aaron Kelton could turn out to be Vince Lombardi for all we know. And if he is, then I'll bite my tongue and I will say they made the right choice, but you're right, Spencer. There's nothing leading into this that told us Aaron Kelton deserved the job over Russell DeMasi. It's like we said, if there were coaches lining up at the door and Russell with no head coaching experience was lined up next to them, that's one thing. But to do this to Russell DeMasi shows how little they care, and it shows that they don't give a shit what the fan base thinks. They don't care what their players think. They don't care about their student athletes. They're going to handle this the way they want it handled. They're going to handle this when they want it handled, and they don't give two shits what anyone else has to think about it Including Russell DeMossi.
2: Correct. And all the athletes and students I spoke to at Savannah State, granted it wasn't very many, but all of them that I spoke to supported Russell as the head coach. Well, universally. Yeah, um, yeah there were
0: there were players so, that took to Twitter and said, you know, that they were pissed. I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of players, including former players and current players. Uh, one of them was Jamaico Baldwin, who absolutely went off on Savannah State. I mean, it was like not a 51 49% majority here. We're talking it look what looks to be 80 to 90% of people right. involved in this program wanted Russell DeMasi to be their head coach. That didn't right. happen. And what they right. could have done Spencer like again, it's their prerogative who they want to hire. But if they wanted if they were not going to let Russell be the head coach, they should have let him go and they should have done right by him. The way that he did right by them,
2: but my my it's clear whole question—he
0: treated them better than they treated him, and that's fucking wrong.
2: My whole question and something that will never get answered in the media. No one's going to ask. No one's going to ask the president of the university. No one's going to ask the athletic director how this hire went down. But when you have someone lined up like Russell DeMasi, who's had success in the program, who's helped turn the program around, who wants to be there and he doesn't get hired and he gets hired for someone who is clearly not qualified what then is the reason that russell doesn't get the job that's that's the issue that i take what was the reason that he didn't get the job and that question will never be answered or asked but i think it's pretty plain and obvious to anyone who's paid attention how this program has been run over the past 3 years what that answer is and i'm not going to state it on radio because i'm i'm not i don't want that I don't want Savannah state, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's just an ugly situation and unfair to Russell. And someone should ask that question plainly. And I'd be curious to see what the answer would be. So personally, was, I, I don't it was, think it's affairs.
0: It was sort me. of asked today on Tuesday at the presser, at the press conference with Kelton, the new head coach and opio, uh, the head or the athletics director at Savannah state. And, of course, they gave the runaround, the dance. On episode 106, right after I talked to the AD at Savannah State and talked to you guys about what he told me, you know, they are saying things like, okay, so why did it take so long? They don't think it took that long. They wanted to take their time. What's hilarious about this, Spencer, is that they said today that the head coaching search didn't begin until mid-January. They named Russell the interim the first week of December. And the reason why it took a month and a half for the process to start, for the process to start. It took a month and a half because they had holiday break Spencer on campus. Right. So they took holiday they took the holidays off
2: without a head coach.
0: You're in the middle of with a head all, coaching search?
2: With all these with all these kids that what are coming to your circus. university to play. Yeah, so not only is it a disservice to the community, Uh, your fan base it's a complete and utter disrespect to the to the students that you've brought in and you said their parents signed over to you to take care of them to take care of their athletic career it's a complete disservice to them and you bring in a guy with so little accolades behind his name has never been correct me if i'm wrong never coached in savannah I, i don't know that to be true but
0: has he ever true. coached in Savannah? That's correct. That's correct.
2: Okay. Never coached in Savannah. Uh no real ties to the area. I've never heard his name. You bring this guy in over a guy who's been here his entire life, who the students love, who the students want to play for, so out of touch and just playing wrong. And they sh- they deserve to be shamed for this and they deserve every bit of hate they're going to get. Um I will always really be a awesome. Russell Demasi fan. I'm 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 that's my guy. I hope he does well. And you know what? I'm glad he's getting out of that university because that's an absolute sham. He's got jobbed.
0: I agree. I agree. I 100% agree. And I think that in the long run, it could end up being good for him. I'm going to, I think I'm going to have Russell on later this week. Uh, So hopefully we'll have a bonus episode for you guys on Friday. Want to get his thoughts on the whole thing. Um, You know, but you know, to wrap this up for now, and believe me, we will be talking more about it. From From top to bottom, Savannah State has showed its true colors during this whole process. And they had every, this was a golden opportunity handed to them to do the right thing. If they gave Russell DeMasi the head coaching job and he goes, you know, uh, five, five and 13 the next two seasons, then fire him and get rid of him. It won't, it's not like it'll be the first five and 13 stretch you've had in your football you know, program's history. So they could have done that and done right by him or else let him go before April because now it's going to be damn near impossible for him to find another job on the college level. And, you know, it, it really is crazy. Spencer, on Twitter on Tuesday, Savannah State blocked me. On Twitter for like three hours, then unblocked me after I screenshotted that they had blocked me, and people were laughing about it and, and saying how funny this whole disaster has been. uh and, and even that to me, social media is not the end all be all, but that's just a sign of what kind of toxicity and what kind of ignorance is going on over there. You know what I mean? Like you, you just uh, yeah, how can you not get out of your own fucking way? Right. I don't well, understand. Dude, I've,
2: blocked you, I've blocked you plenty of times and it's always been for longer than three hours. So have sure. some backbone Savannah state.
0: Sure. They briefly joined the list of, of people that have me blocked on Twitter, which includes <laughs> Romani Jones and uh, one Josh Dobbs, uh, who is ugly as shit and always has been. Um, <laughs> all right, let's leave it right there. We'll talk more about Savannah state going forward um, again Friday. I hope we'll have a interview with Russell Damasi. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about Coach's Corner, our title sponsor. Coach's Corner in Savannah, 3016 East Victory Drive, www.coaches.net. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to call ahead your order, 912-352-2933. Coach's Corner, our title sponsor, the number one sports bar in Savannah. They'll have the 19th hole with the Erb Brothers starting Wednesday night, starting tonight. Um at Coach's Corner, previewing the Masters, talking all things Masters. You got Carl DeMasi on there Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings on the Coach's Corner Facebook page, as well as Brandon Bain, Rubbin' and Grubbin', the NASCAR show, our guy Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. So go like Coach's Corner on Facebook. If you go to Coach's Corner at 3016 East Victory Drive, tell them we sent you, tell John Henderson, the owner that we sent you, and they will hook it up for you. Daily lunch specials. Cold beers, hot wings, and 196 billion televisions. Coach's Corner in Savannah. Go check them out today. All right, Spencer. Well, let's talk about the Final Four and the National Championship game. What a Final Four it was. What an NCAA tournament it was. Um, I mean, we've talked about it in the past, Spencer, about how college basketball has sort of been lacking these last few years. You can blame it on one-and-done culture. You can blame it on stuff like that. Uh, referees, you can blame it on anything, but this was unquestionably the best March Madness in a long time. Uh, And the final four absolutely delivered the North Carolina Duke game. And we'll talk plenty about North Carolina, Kansas, uh, Kansas coming back from 16 points down at one time, 15 points down at halftime. We'll talk about that. But the North Carolina Duke game was an absolute classic. Uh, I was watching that. I, I was dead. By the end of that game, um, much like Coach Krzyzewski is now dead, buried, done, sent him <laughs> to the old folks home, uh, North Carolina just absolutely ruined, ruined that old bag's time at the Final Four, sent him out in a golf cart. Sent him out in a golf cart with his precious wife, Mickey, uh, who I started calling I started calling Mike Krzyzewski's wife, Mickey Magdalene, because they were treating her like she was just a saint, like she was the mother of God or something. Um, so I was happy to see they lost. what do you think of Carolina Duke?
2: Well, uh, first off, I, I like that you chose the prostitute from the disciples. Like you,
0: you could, you you know,
2: I guess it's just the most famous last name from all the females in the Bible, but all good. Um,
0: people respect. I, uh,
2: I thought it was hilarious. The vitriol with which, uh, UNC fans just absolutely buried. Coach K, after the uh, game, including yourself, just, like, on Twitter and stuff, it was hilarious. Um, like, I thought I thought they would be, like, kind of, like, kind and, like, you know, glad we beat him in his last game type vibes, but, you know, also he had a historic career. No, none of that, dude. It was the furthest thing from kind. It was basically, like, screw you, old man. See you in hell, um, which I, I wouldn't want it any other way, dude. Um, hilarious. Uh, That game was awesome to watch. Uh, It wasn't anywhere nearly as good as the national championship, though, which I could not have delivered more in terms of, um, you know, just basketball, like actual basketball product. You know what I mean? Watching the game itself. And I had no, I didn't care either way about either one of these teams. Um, And I said before the game, I don't remember who I said it to, but I was like, you know, as much basketball as I watch, if a team I don't care about is in a big game, it's no longer a big game to me. Um, so I just want to see a good game. And I thought at halftime that we were not gonna have a good game, dude, and boy was I wrong. Oh my god. Um the term instant yeah. classic is overused, dude, but that's an instant classic for sure.
0: Dude, it definitely is. And it's like, you know, after North Carolina beat Duke, the the storyline was of course North Carolina is going to have a letdown. They're not going to be able to bounce back after the emotional high of beating Duke. Um, And I sort of thought that that was real. I I thought Kansas would win the game against Carolina. Um, But I thought Carolina had a chance to cover. They ended up covering for sure. But what I was thinking before the game was like, how often is it that I I was more excited for for my favorite team's semifinal game than for their national championship game. And even after North Carolina blew, I mean, like they blew a 15-point halftime lead. You know, let's make no bones about it. After the game, I still, I wasn't like, I I was pissed and sad, but like I wasn't like depressed or like in my feelings, like, you know, second and 26 with Georgia or like, you know, the Braves giving up 10 runs in the first inning to the Cardinals. It wasn't like that. Like it wasn't like, I could still see the silver lining if that makes sense. No.
2: Yeah. In basketball is that basketball is that kind of game. Yes. It was the biggest upset in national championship history. And NCAA isn't, yeah, excuse me. That's what I meant. Um, yeah. and NCAA isn't quite like the NBA, you know, there's not that many points scored. So comebacks like that aren't as regular, but you're starting to see more and more points get scored in college games. Um, you know, regularly creeping up into the eighties, nineties, sometimes even hundreds, um, for each team. So, I I don't think UNC has anything to be ashamed about as an eight seed. Like, even if even if you want to talk about like the the comeback, they still had to build up that lead, and they easily easily could have crumbled. I think I texted you this. They easily could have crumbled whenever Kansas brought it all the way back. And I don't think they did, dude. I, I felt like they answered, and it was a tight game the entire way through, to the basically the last buzzer. Um, which yeah, that last sequence was absolutely bananas, dude. And if if North Carolina had hit a three after Kansas stepped out of bounds there at the very last second, it would have unquestionably, unquestionably, been the greatest, uh, or at least most entertaining, college. Uh, championship game of all time dude but i mean that didn't happen and but at, at least we had the drama there you know what i mean that was it was so much fun to watch uh dude some studs on that roster the, what, what was the guy's name uh puff johnson oh i, I think puff, go-
0: puff johnson actually threw up on the court like he nutty, threw up dude. on the court
2: and this is the guy that he averaged like 2.5 points a game and yeah. he was just going off dude On the biggest stage. So he was the best. I thought he was Carolina's best player, like full stop.
0: Well, that's what I I didn't realize. Like if Carolina wins that game. And like you said, look, they were three points away from sending that thing into overtime. If Carolina wins that game, who's the MVP for them?
2: Honestly, if he doesn't throw up, I think Carolina wins the game. He was on an absolute heat.
0: Oh, now that's a fucking take there, dude.
2: Like, I don't know. Apparently he got hit in the stomach. I never saw that. this man just like throws up and I I don't even know if he made it back out on the floor, but he was unquestionably the spark plug. He he was bringing the most energy. He takes the charge, you know, just a ridiculous circus layup at one point that looked like it belonged on the NBA court. Like it looked like a Kyrie Irving layup. Um, so he, he was the breakthrough star for me. Um, I'll, I'll be paying attention to his career as it progresses. Um, Man, but it's dude, like
0: he, the game was so awesome because the t- those two teams were so tough i saw a, a tweet that said these two teams are as tough as microwave steak yeah
2: <laughs> they they really were dude like i again i'll say it again unc could have crumbled whenever yeah, they, were they down gave down up by that six
0: lead. with like eight to play like kansas had a six point lead and had come yeah. all the way back in like 12 minutes
2: and no one would have blamed them if they had just packed it in at that point. Like they'd had Hell a great not. season. They had a great season. They made it all the way as the eight seed, you know, and they fought back uh, and credit to them for that, dude. Uh, you don't see that a lot of times from like 19 and 18 year old dudes. Um, just an all like an all-time game. I, I did think they kind of went away from, uh, his name's Manic, right? The guy from Kings of Leon? Uh, yeah. They they went away from Manic. It I I couldn't tell if that's because he was gassed, but it like he was not as big of an impact player as he had been throughout the tournament. And they it looked like they weren't hunting for his shot. Like they were just kind of you know getting into ISO sets and and going and trying to get the best shot they could. When I I feel like he's been their best player this entire tournament.
0: They are uh, maybe that's with, the right f- no that's you're right. He, Brady Manic was four for eight from the field. He only took eight field goal attempts, but that's sort of Hubert Davis's style. He's an NBA style coach in terms of they're going to look for one matchup each time down the floor, and then they're going to isolate that one-on-one matchup and hope their guy can win it. And for the most part throughout this tournament or really throughout the last month and a half, North Carolina's guys have been winning those matchups, but Caleb Love was pretty bad from the field. Armando Baycott, you know, for as much grit and heart as he showed, uh, you know, He just didn't have it. Didn't have the lift because of that ankle, and he was pretty bad from the field. I think he was like three for thirteen from the field. Uh, Still got a double double, but I mean, the reason why it was like hard to be mad at North Carolina is because they just played so damn hard, and like the fact that they had a fifteen point halftime lead, like now a day removed from it or two days removed from it, that to me is even more shocking that they ever had a fifteen point lead. With basically five guys and a Puff Johnson to to play right.
2: with. Well, it, it it was obvious to me, I, I don't know how many like NBA fans there were, or I'm sure a lot of NBA fans were watching the game, but it was obvious to me that Kansas had more NBA talent on the floor, if that makes sense. For not sure. that they were like a far and a wetter far and away better team, because that's just not how it works in college basketball ninety percent of the time. Right. But it, it really did look like they had more NBA talent on the floor so again you can't really fault this North Carolina team man but I thought I, I thought Kansas played really well in the second half I thought love from UNC although the numbers might show it I thought he had a pretty good second half honestly like I like the way he was yeah, playing he
0: was, right. was trying like that's I think why manic wasn't getting a lot of his shots is because yeah. clove Caleb love was just looking for his one-on-one and he got looks at the rim you know a lot of those layouts in the second half were makeable um
2: well i thought he was pretty brutal in the first half honestly like i thought he was was. i thought he was pretty much the worst player on the floor i did not think that in the second half so that i mean that's commendable if nothing else you you can't really you can't really shit on 19 year olds if they're having a bad game from the floor but uh if they go out and play their ass off you know or at least try you know put put up a good effort and i thought he did um, but I, I would have liked, man, I would have liked to have seen them try and get manic involved in some pick and pops or something. It seemed like they put him on the corner and just said, you know, we're going to, we're going to dribble the basketball into the hardwood as many times as we can.
0: Um, yeah. That elbow but, oh, he took to the face, man, was, that was tough, rough. dude. Like,
2: that
0: was, that tough. was rough. And I, I was positive that he had a concussion after that. Um, I'm sure he did. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that was, he might have.
2: Yeah, that was almost certainly a concussion. And it didn't look like they put him through any kind of protocols or anything. Like they didn't (laughs) look into it. Yeah.
0: No, no protocol. uh, They throw protocol out the window when it comes to the Natty, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, What did you think? I thought it was crazy that Baycott's ankle gave out basically the same spot on the floor that Manic on the final play fell at the same spot on the, you know, at the final play. And, and it was that one spot Ooh, on the tinfoil
2: hat on. Is it tinfoil Travis, dude? I'm
0: just saying. I'm just saying. Is this tin it tinfoil Travis, dude? Same exact spot on the floor where it happened. And it's like, dude, can we get this floor situation worked out a little bit?
2: You know? I don't know. Uh, the ankle thing, it, it had already happened. So, yeah. But the fall, I thought he was just exhausted. They all looked, dude, every single one of them looked gassed. Yeah. To me. It really did. Like completely gassed. Um and I I guess like looking back, I don't really remember like a very long stretch when Manic was out of the game. I don't know what his minutes looked like, but
0: they were up there. He wasn't he didn't come out at all, barely.
2: Yeah. Him in particular, I feel like he was out there the entire time, which eight makes eight shot attempts like even more glaring to me. But who knows after that head blow, like who knows what kind of shape he was in, you know? Um Yeah. He might've been a walking corpse.
0: Well, just to give myself some flowers, I picked Kansas and I think I talked about Kansas a while ago that I liked them. I also said Kentucky. So hand up on that one. But I, I thought Kansas was the deepest, not, not deepest in terms of like they go 10 deep, but deepest in terms of like their sixth guy, their seventh guy is pretty much as quality as their first and second guy. And whereas North Carolina was, You know, they had a bunch of B plus players out there that just grinded, you know, to get all the way to the natty. They were borderline not gonna make the tournament. If they didn't beat Duke in the ace or if they didn't beat Duke to close it out to close out the regular season, they were close to not making the tournament. As an eight. Yeah, they were a
2: bubble team before that. (laughs) I did want to bring this up. How stupid am I for picking Villanova because of coaching, dude?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that didn't look great. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and, oh, oh my god and you know what it is i really want jay Wright to be the coach of the atlanta hawks like i'm trying to start a grassroots movement to uh to fire nate mcmillan so that's that's where that stems from i just like i'm a big jay Wright guy i thought he was the best x's and o's coach left in the tournament and possibly in all of college basketball don't at me dog but i i you know
0: not well, a great jay look. Wright becomes the head coach of the hawks Obviously, his nickname immediately becomes JTL. I mean, is that yeah? That's fair to say?
2: Well, that's the only nickname we know how to do. Just anything and then add TL to the end of it. That's what we do, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, like Trey TL. That lasted forever. Spinny TL. Um, I also need to – I should probably say that earlier in this season of Hot Gretz, I think I might have called for Huber Davis to be fired. I'd like to retract that statement. I'd, and I'd like to give him a contract extension, if that's okay. Can I retract my previous fire Hubert Davis take? I'd like to retire that take for good. Uh, I'm going to give up on that take and say that Hubert Davis, good coach.
2: Okay, I, I, I'll I piggyback on that. Um, first off, great run, Hubie. Um, great run. Did he not give you AAA, AAU coach vibes, though, on the sideline, dude? Just like the super animated like almost like trying he was like grandstanding over there wasn't he like you don't Uh, you don't see what you mean
0: i get what you mean that it looks like that i think it's all genuine but yeah it looks exactly like that
2: like dude you you want some level of being measured on a on a game (laughs) like that you don't want to be panicky you want to be like measured and like calculated and he was anything but that on the sidelines i don't know what the talks on the sideline looked like but he his demeanor did not look great dude especially especially as as your team is kind of like the lead is melting away he's like getting more and more animated and like dude after all these kids are 19 years old dude so like I don't know, dude. Just from the visuals, not a great performance, not a great national championship game from him, but great run overall. What can you really say?
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Well, before we move on from that, I'd like to just point out that Mark Emmert, president of the almighty NCAA, when handing the national championship trophy to Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks, announced that the Kansas City Jayhawks had won the 2022 national championship when in tough. fact, yeah, when in fact Kansas City is not where Kansas, the University of Kansas is, it's also just it's not, also the name not of in the state school. of Kansas. That's correct, that's correct. It's, it's also not... not in the state of Kansas, <laughs> and it's just that well, like, dude, you had one job, Mark Emmert. You had one job, Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility. SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year round for baseball and softball players. Full length batting cages, pitching mounds and a state of the art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah baseball performance Academy on Facebook For programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility. Ross Howard, our guy. Give him a call. 912-484-5282. Commercial and residential electrical services that you can trust. Brady Electric is Savannah's number one electrical services for commercial and residentials since 1970. It's family owned and family operated. Reach them today at 912 233 1561 or 1104 East 35th Street. Brady Electric, that's two D's, B R A D D Y, five stars on Yelp, five stars on Google Reviews, and Savannah's number one electrical servicer since 1970 call them today 912-233-1561 tiger back at the masters baby i cannot wait i called it i called it i told you the big cat would be in augusta taking the tournament by storm there might as well be nobody else in this year's masters tournament there is nobody else playing it's tiger woods and everybody else I can't fucking wait. I legit think
2: if he he could just play one tournament every year, this is the tournament he would play. And it's not because, uh, I mean, yeah, if you want to talk about the lore of the Masters, all that stuff, how many times he's won it, all that. It's because it's the, I mean, we saw this. It was the last major he won. It's the one he can be the most competitive at. He's not going to win any more U.S. Opens, I don't think. He's not going to win any more British Opens, I don't think. He can win a masters again, dude. Oh,
0: yeah. What do you think? I think he definitely can. Like, this is the tournament. For sure, the masters is the best chance for him to win a major every year. I mean, the the track record speaks for that. But also it's at the same course every year. So he doesn't have to wait, you know, every other year for the US Open, a course might fit him or it might not fit him. Same right. thing for the British Open. Um, and, and the same thing for the PGA championship. Like some courses aren't gonna fit his eye. But the masters is where he thrives, and it's where 2019 happened. Like, let's not forget, he did 2019. Like, he won that bitch in 2019, and now he's like, incredible. He would, he would not go out there, Spencer, if he didn't think he could win. And I know we no, try to yeah, say that's, that. that.
2: Go ahead. That's what I wanted to get at, dude. He genuinely believes he can win the tournament, and that's the only reason he's playing.
0: I agree. Yeah, and we say that about a lot of athletes. Like, they wouldn't come out and play if they didn't think they could compete. It's usually not true. You know yeah well, I
2: mean? those those athletes also aren't billionaires or are close to it so like tiger has no financial reason to play other than winning tournaments and like adding to his total and that's what he's been laser focused on his entire career so he believes he can win it he wants to win it that's why he's there it's not it's not for any other reason you know
0: yeah no i agree i agree i think um like i think Saturday or Thursday when he tees off, which I think is at – it it might be at 11.30 or 10.30. I got to look. It's it's either at 11.30 or 10.30 on Thursday. I think when he tees off, like the goal will be two under. You know what I mean? Like two under each round is probably the goal. And he's going to do what he did in 2019. He's just going to hover. So I wouldn't expect him to come out and like light it up. But I just don't expect him to put up big numbers anywhere across the course. And he's going to wait for all these other guys – to do it you know what I mean but I I, like all these guys that are wanting that like they're wanting to see uh Tiger Woods like they're clamoring like I want to see Tiger Woods at his best like I want to play against the best I don't know if they want that like I don't think the rest of the field wants to face like a full go Tiger Woods but I mean there are look there are plenty of guys in this tournament that can win besides him they're just not going to be right. talked about at all now that he's the, in the
2: field. The the formula for Tiger to win this is to play the par fours at as close to even par as possible, birdie or better the par fives, and then come what may on the par threes. If he hits a couple like incredible shots and in some par threes and he birdies them, great. If not, you, you just don't want to be over par on the par fours, um, as best I can tell.
0: Yeah, I like so, that. Yeah. I like that. That's
2: my insider like that. breakdown.
0: Right now, what I see for Tiger Woods is 50 to 1.
2: 50 to 1
0: to win the match.
2: Enticing.
0: Uh, Looks like John Rahm, the favorite, at 10 to 1. Justin Thomas, 14 to 1. Uh, Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith and Scotty Scheffler at 16 to 1. McElroy, 18 to 1. Kepka, Cantley, Spieth, Hovland, Morikawa, 20 to 1. So those are your favorites. Um, if you're looking at like long shot guys that that I think you know have played well here before, Bubba Watson 65 to one uh, to win. Same for Sergio Garcia. And then if you want to go way way down the line, you'll eventually find you know other guys. JJ Spawn is 200 to one. He won last week. Uh, and then Zach Johnson 250 to one.
2: I was just about to bring to up Jack, Zach Johnson,
0: dude. <laughs> you like Zach Johnson?
2: Just always a super long shot to win the Masters, but always included on the odds. You know what I mean? Just like, just like throwing the bait out there. You know what I mean? Like it's just—it's a little bit of a sucker bet, but it jumps to mind immediately whenever you're thinking about guys to bet on at the Masters. Zach Johnson—he's won it before. You know what I mean? Like the, the, you go down that path. They throw that in there just for the degenerates like me, dude.
0: I—I I think I might do my annual sprinkle on Brian Harmon, a hundred to one. I like it. Pretty crazy to think that Tiger Woods is 50 to one and Brian Harmon's only a hundred to one.
2: It was crazy to me to think that Tiger Woods is 50 to one and Bubba Watson has worse odds than that. Given that he hasn't broken both of his legs in the past year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Like, do you think where would this rank? What does Tiger have to do to make this like a spectacular comeback? It's just the fact that he's playing.
2: Make a cut. Just make a cut.
0: You think makes a cut.
2: Well, actually, eh, the fact that he's playing, yes, but it, I never had any doubts in my mind that he was going to play. Once they said he was going to walk, I knew he was going to play. So it's already a spectacular comeback, but for it to be on the level of 2019, like winning it, in contention.
0: Okay, so you know, something like that. yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. So 2019, he wins it, and it's a great comeback, but he didn't just well, fall off the side of a cliff. So if Possibly he comes the greatest third, comeback of all time. But if he comes in third this year, is it a, is it a greater comeback? Yes. Yeah.
2: He broke both his legs, dude.
0: Yeah. And they said amputation was on the table. That yeah. was a possibility.
2: Yeah. Ben Hogan had something similar. <laughs> what are you laughing he at? He just didn't come back to that, you know, extent. I, I know it's not apples and oranges, but the guy came back in less than a year, or like right around a year's time. Right? Yeah. It's like a some yeah. change. Unreal, dude. And this guy's story just keeps getting like more and more ridiculous. I I don't put it off. This I think he's gonna win the damn thing, dude. I'm putting money on it.
0: Oh, away. don't tease me, bro. Don't tease me, bro. I got it's goosebumps just, from just a thinking narrative? about it, man.
2: I know. I get sweaty, dude. There's uh, there's there's no way he wins it, right?
0: He can't win it, can he? There's no way, right?
2: Wait. I don't know. I'm gonna be pulling for him if no, nothing else. I've never been more of a Tiger Woods fan than I am now, and I didn't Hell think that yeah. was possible.
0: Hell yeah, I like that, dude. Welcome aboard.
2: Well, I've always been a Tiger Woods fan, but like it, it just like keeps getting more and more like I fuck with this guy heavy,
0: dude. If you're someone like Mac, like Rory McIlroy, or you know, like any of these other big names, isn't it crazy? Like they literally are not being talked about at all. Like yeah. nobody else is being talked about and it's not just well, people like you and it, me it's like the national media
2: in the, in the golf world they are but yeah not the, i don't not know like bro
0: i don't know i don't like they're not really being i mean i haven't read any stories about mcelroy's prep for, for yeah, Augusta national. that's
2: true that's true
0: meanwhile we're tracking tiger's jet
2: i mean it's just it, he's just such a it's it's like it really is like mj back in the day to to a greater extent even um i mean he's just got such broad appeal and he might be the most popular athlete in the world outside of like lebron you know i mean so i i get it to an extent I, i really do
0: people have been arguing of late who has more of an impact who who impacted their sport more michael jordan or tiger woods tiger woods I think so too, dude. Just by looking at the galleries for his practice rounds, like some of these photos that are coming out, like they're right. they're tin deep, they're tin deep all along the fairway for a practice round.
2: Right. Well, the, the, dude, the NBA had already had their revival. Like they didn't need Michael Jordan to be. I mean, maybe to make it the global phenomenon that it that it is now. Sure, if you want to argue that, but in at least in the United States, my sphere of it, you know, where I'm at. The NBA didn't need Michael Jordan like that, dude. Golf needed Tiger Woods. The, yeah. The PGA Tour literally might not exist as it does now if not for Tiger Woods.
0: Oh, it, it wouldn't even be close. It wouldn't even. It
2: would not I mean, be close. And people don't understand that. Like The purses would probably be like a dividend of 10, like 10 times smaller than they are now if not for Tiger Woods. And that amazing run he went on.
0: Yeah, agree. And it's throughout the entire PGA Tour, but especially the majors. I mean, when you go back and look, like it's 11.5 million dollars in purse for the Masters. It's 2.7 million to the winner. No joke. 10 years ago, it was half of that, less than half of that.
2: Right. Right.
0: And that's and- not in Tiger's heyday. That's from 2012 to 2022. That's the kind of right. impact that he's had. I mean, and, and so people can love him or hate him. I think most people love him, but the impact is undeniable, and the impact on the tournament and the popularity of this tournament in Augusta is also undeniable. I mean, as someone that well, like follows media, it's a media person's dream. Think of
2: it. Think of it this way: There's in basketball, there's kind of like this this cutoff date where we uh, we call start to call it the modern era, right? In mm-hmm. basketball, there's like before Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and then there's after them. Um the stuff that happened before them tends to get, you know, ignored largely. Like Will Chamberlain, you know, those guys putting up 100-point games, they're not considered the greatest of all time or the most influential when they possibly could be because they played in a bygone era that clearly was not as competitive. Now when you when you look at it from that lens, what Tiger Woods did, you're talking about guys like Greg Norman, like guys in my lifetime, not guys 70 years ago guys in my lifetime like greg norman uh you know nick price these guys that played him in the 90s and early 2000s where their accomplishments almost mean less because they played before tiger woods and before the field got so competitive because he took it to a new level scores got lower guys started hitting the ball so much further Uh, it really was just he completely changed how people hit how people scored uh, he, he raised the bar to just a different level. Um, it's and the standard, too. Something... The
0: physical standard for what it takes right. to be a pro golfer was changed forever. There are no more John Daly's. You know right. what I mean? Like you, you well, there's only be ever a...
2: been one. Okay, there's that's only ever fair. Been one okay,
0: fair, fair, fair. But the physical look of these golfers is completely They look athletic.
2: Right. You don't see the cigars the on the course. You don't see the cigars on the course. You don't see the cigs on the course. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure. Few, tiger. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much exclusively because of tiger. Um, unreal. And that, I mean, that's all I really have to say on the topic, but it, it is, I, I don't think it's particularly close and I'm an MJ stand dude. So I, I don't think it's close. I think it's tiger.
0: Well, obviously I'm with you. Um, I guess, do we want to make, let's make one pick each outside of tiger woods. Uh, um, I'll go first. I did want to circle back tiger tees off at 10:34. Eastern time on Thursday. Um, he's playing with Joaquin Neiman and somebody else. I don't remember the third, but so 1034 Thursday. That probably means he'll go off around the same time, probably Friday. Um, if not a little bit later in the morning, um, Spencer, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And the easy pick would be Scotty Scheffler. Cause he's red hot right now. Um, I like outside of Tiger Woods. I like Justin Thomas. And I also like Victor Hovland. I like Victor Hovland, the young guy out of Oklahoma State. He stroke he stripes it well, especially at Augusta and especially at courses where there's a lot of danger. Like he usually plays pretty well. So I'll I'll go JT and Victor Hovland uh, outside of Tiger Woods, of course. Who you got?
2: Um, I I, I like JT. Um, I think at Justin Thomas Peak. He's the best golfer on tour. I don't. I don't think people can match him whenever he's playing his very very best. I don't think. I think his very very best is better than everybody else. Um, I'll say that. Okay. Um, I, I like Spieth though. I I think I picked him last last time we did this as well, and I'm gonna stick with it, especially at those odds. Um, I think he's another guy like Thomas. He's such a head case. It's frustrating. Yeah, but, um, he's got
0: that new I, like pre-swing routine too. That's kind of throwing me off. It's like a Ricky Fowler type thing.
2: Yeah, but I, again, at his peak, he's he's up there. You know what I mean? I think he, I think he could potentially be the best, the number one golfer again. You know, yeah. um, I think he's got that mm-hmm. in him. I I would be. I think it'd be a major upset if he was never the world's number one again, and I think that would be a pretty disappointing career for him. Um, so I'm going to keep sticking with that narrative. I'm going to take JT and Spieth.
0: All right, cool. There it is. Um, for more Masters, check out the 19th hole with the Erb Brothers on the Coach's Corner Sports Network. Um, the next four nights, I believe, uh, starting at 6 o'clock on Coach's Corner Facebook page. Check them out uh, each evening previewing and reviewing the Masters. Um, all right, Spencer, Well, we'll close up. Uh, the Masters starts Thursday – but so does Major League Baseball. The Braves kick off with the Cincinnati Reds, 8 p.m. on the four-letter network uh, Thursday night in the ATL. Um, They're over-under for the season, Spencer, 90.5 wins. That's the most uh, from Caesar's sportsbook in the National League, alongside the Mets, who are also 90.5 wins (laughs) over-under. I thought you would like that. I shouldn't say the most. The Dodgers are at 98.5. Dude, no shot.
2: Dude, no shot. Do, do you think let me ask you this. Do you think there's do, do you think the Mets have a winning record this year?
0: I think they have a winning record. I don't think they sniff 91 wins.
2: I would put their I would put their over under right at whatever 500 is. I forget. 81. Is, it, is it 81? I would put it right at 81. Uh, there's no shot they hit 91 wins. And and maybe they figure it all out together. I mean, they've got a big old payroll. Uh, They do the same thing every year. So it's bound to work out one year where they have, you know, just some semblance of health, but you overpay, you overpay for these aging guys every year. They do it every year. And it never works, dude, (laughs) every year. And it never works. And Scherzer's already on the IR, IL, whatever you call it in baseball.
0: Yeah, so's the Grom. So's the Grom. I mean, no so's the It's just a joke. No shot,
2: dude. And if you look at this Mets team as they're constructed, just take away the injuries, all right? I still like the Braves better. I like the lineup better. I like the pitching. Okay, give the nod to the Mets, all right? The Grom is better. Scherzer's is better than anybody we got. If I hell like the know. lineup better. And it's not like the Braves guys are like flouches.
0: I agree with you. you. Know? I mean, I think the Braves are far and away the favorite in the National League East. Um, but just previewing them like for the first month, just like a quick outlook, I think they have a couple things going for them. Uh, Cincinnati at home for four, then Washington at home. Then they go to San Diego, to L.A., at home against Miami and Chicago, to Texas, and then at New York for three at the start of May. Spencer, they're not going to have to do the dreaded April – North trip where you're playing in 40 degree weather or 30 degree weather, they're going to avoid all of that. Um, They really will not have a bad weather game in terms of hot, cold um, on the schedule period. And so that's a benefit. You know, sometimes you have to go to Pittsburgh or Minnesota, you know, early in the year or New York. And that sucks because it's freezing. You go from, you know, uh, South Florida weather to 30 degrees, and chilly or in raining in the Bronx or you know in flushing that would suck and they don't have to deal with that um I I do think that the like the chances of them starting out hot are not as high as the chances of them starting out slow I think they're gonna have to you've talked about this before they're gonna have to tread water till Acuna gets there but but more than tread water like they are good enough team to be well above 500 without Ronnie Acuna but yeah. I think that's the goal. Another thing that I think is interesting, Spencer, is they're going to carry three catchers here to start the year. They, Contreras made the roster as a third catcher. They've been working him I think out. There's, at,
2: I think there's a good chance Darno starts the year as the the DH, and they end up going to Contreras more often than not. I think there's a really good chance that happens.
0: Yeah, maybe they got the pineapple too, Manny Pena. He'll be, I guess, the the backup backup. I mean, he'll be the backup catcher. I don't know if he'll be the backup hitter that plays catcher right if that makes sense I, they I, can uh, work working contreras out at third base and right field sporadically dude, which I, is kind of weird I, I don't understand
2: it if you're and explain this to me i know there's service time issues but you've got a guy like drew waters in in triple a he's been there for quite some time he's done well enough to get promoted if this wasn't a team that was loaded you know what i mean and he's done okay he's done pretty good most teams would have promoted him at this point if they sure. weren't World Series contenders, and That's you know true. if they weren't disloaded. All right, if they're in the bottom half of the league, he's almost certainly been promoted sometime last year. Sure. Um, if they're if they're under five hundred, you know, twelve games into the year, who, whomever is out in uh, left or right field. Or center? Excuse me. I think it's the center field position that they have a question mark at right now. Yeah, if they're hitting ball
0: like, for the most part in center.
2: All right. So, so whomever the the non name guy, let's just put it that way. Whoever the mm-hmm. whoever the guy is, just the question mark guy, is hitting under 600 OPS. Do you bring this guy up and say, okay, we need another bat in the lineup until Acuna gets here? Is there any way that happens?
0: Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Okay. I think what's more more likely is a move like Jock Peterson last year. So the Braves will enter with about a hundred and seventy million dollar payroll. And they've said, you know, pretty publicly that one one eighty is the ceiling. So now you throughout the season you got ten million dollars to play with. So you can always go acquire another bat. I mean, I think they're gonna give their guys every opportunity because of what happened last year. Um, you know to play through any sort of slumps. And I do think that they're worried about bringing Drew Waters up. He doesn't play well and his value starts plummeting a la Christian Pache. Um, That's
2: a real concern. Yeah. That's a real concern. But you still got value for Christian Pache this past year. True. So, true. Uh, And I yeah. mean, Drew Waters doesn't have a like a skill like uh, Pache's defense that he can hang his hat on. But yeah, He doesn't a power
0: have like, a uh, skill.
2: Yeah, he's a power bat. If you throw him in for 162, half the time he's going to hit 30 homers, half the time, well, you know, 25 homers. He might be brutal, but he'll he'll hit you some homers. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of like that, and I, I disagree. I think you bring him – I would bring him up if I were the Braves brass. I would bring him up if we're floundering, and then you can still trade him down the line. Uh, I, I think the more likely thing they're going to need this year is an arm um yeah you know we the Braves have been really lucky with injuries outside of Soroka they've been really lucky with Ian Anderson they've been really lucky with Max Breed and I wonder how long that holds up neither one of those guys have spent any like significant amount of time uh you know haven't had any season ending injuries or anything like that um so that's I would look to that dude that's there's just not a good history of a team having the same basic rotation year after year for multiple runs. Um, So I think they, they might need to load up at some point. Um, So on the pitching side, they're going to start,
0: they're going to start the year with a six man rotation. And that six spot will be Tucker Davidson or Spencer Strider. Strider's the guy that throws over a hundred with relative ease and pretty often. Um, So they're going to determine who starts that six spot uh, based on, matchups the bullpen spencer is interesting darren o'day made the team uh, as a right-handed specialist as a submariner um so he's made the team another guy that made the team that i think a lot of fans may be confused about early in the year sean newcomb made the team in the bullpen because he's out of options meaning if they tried to send him down to AAA, you know if he didn't make the team out of camp that means he'd have to pass through waivers And every other team would have an opportunity to claim him. So they're going to give Newcomb a shot to start the year in the Braves bullpen. If he doesn't, then they'll designate him for assignment. And, you know, they'll probably move on from him at that point, a la Mike fulton So I think people early in the year should be aware that Sean Newcomb is in that bullpen simply because he's out of options. He is not in the bullpen because the Braves are under some illusion that he has... You know, lit it up during camp. So I just wanted right. to point that out. And then one more thing, Luke Jackson. I think possibly I was about has,
2: to say Luke Jackson, dude.
0: So I think he's possibly pitched his last game as a Brave. And here's why I say that: he tours you or you know he tours UCL, and he's going to have Tommy John surgery. Now he could have chose to rehab this and come back in June or July, pitching on this one year deal. But then, you know. All other teams, when his contract comes up and he's a free agent at the end of the year, will have that in the back of their mind saying, hey, he still hasn't gotten that Tommy John that he's probably going to need at some point. So if you're Luke Jackson, do you try to pitch for this team and prove to the Braves that you're worth a multi-year deal? Or do you go ahead and get Tommy John now in April, and then by the time next March comes around, you're 10 months removed, 11 months removed from your surgery? You can pitch that to other major league teams and say, hey, I'll be ready to go. I've already had my surgery. Like, I'm ready to roll if you want to sign me. Um, so that's what he's going to do. I don't think Luke Jackson comes back at all this year. Um, and that's that's a major loss. This is a guy that had a sub-two ERA last year. Right.
2: Right. I'm good with him never pitching for the Braves again. I, I appreciate the <laughs> memories, <laughs> I'm
0: dog. I'm,
2: I appreciate the memories, dog. But, uh, you, you know, let's let's – Let's get somebody that did not give me a friggin' heart attack every time he's on the mound.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, all right, well, you want to pick uh, – before we wrap up, you want to pick World Series or playoff team? What do you want to do? Um, I, mean, I don't really have any predictions like that are not chalk. I think I like the Dodgers and Astros.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are the clear favorite. That's How could you to not say. pick the
0: Dodgers in the National League? I mean, it's yeah. –
2: I, I don't know about the Astros uh, I, I, I'm not as well informed on the American League I, I try and stick to the NL East and you know like the clear rivals to the Braves um I I do think I do think the Dodgers are just embarrassingly loaded and uh I mean barring some kind of catastrophic start or you know something unforeseen they're gonna win over a hundred games I would think I'll take the over there um
0: yeah, their yeah. over under is ninety eight point five, which is yeah, absurd.
2: I, yeah. And they deserve that too. They're just loaded. Um, I do think the Braves have the firepower to run up against them, and you'll they'll almost assuredly see them in the playoffs if the season goes as we expect it to. Um, we'll see, man. I'm not going to pick the Braves just because I mean there's not a good history of teams going back to back. And no, the yeah, Braves I like the Braves
0: run. to win the East, but then after that, yeah. Who knows? It's a crapshoot. I mean, other teams that right. I like, like I don't know how well they'll do, but I like their makeup. I like the Cardinals in the Central, in the NL Central. I like the Blue Jays. Um in the AL. I like ALs. the Blue Jays a lot,
2: dude. I like, yeah, the, Blue I like the Blue Jays. A Jays. Lot. And,
0: and I and I sort of sneaky like the twins there in the AL Central. The White Sox are obviously really fucking good. And then in the NL West, you have that trio of Dodgers Giants. Padres, I, I would be shocked if the Giants did what they did last year or anywhere near that again this year. Just because that roster is just not the same as the Padres or the Dodgers, especially the Dodgers. Um but I it should be fun. I'm be. glad I'm glad Major League Baseball is starting uh this week. Oh my god, right, yeah. after, right after the NCAA tournament. Um sort of no no lag time. Oh my god,
2: yeah. I, uh, I did want to say this, dude, a team to watch and I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team okay, or baseball even particularly guy. Baseball guy. Even particularly very good, but it will be fun to see two guys come up like this. You're going to see Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green come up for, uh, Detroit. Riley Green just got hurt. So, uh, I think yeah, that's those two Riley guys Green. are
0: good. Those two guys are
2: good. Just, yeah. They're, they're both top 10 prospects. Um, I think that'll be a fun team and they're they're going to be much better than they have been in the past four years. Um, Riley's hurt right now, but.
0: Oh, dude, um, the American league rookie of the year race is going to be stupid. You have like. It's going to be nice. Four of the top eight overall prospects in baseball are playing in the big leagues this year as rookies in the American league. You got Bobby Witt in Kansas city, Julio Rodriguez in um, Seattle uh Torkelson like you just said in Detroit and then Adley Rushman the catcher in Baltimore it should that should be a really really fun awards race to watch
2: it's gonna be crazy dude and these guys came up like quick too I I remember looking at the prospect list and a lot of those dudes were in the 30 to 40 range like not too too long ago you know what I mean and they jumped from there to one to ten and then it seems like just yesterday and now they're getting promoted. So it's, it's going to be crazy, man. I'm, I'm ready for this MLB season. Um, a new crop of talent should be a good year, man.
0: Hell yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap up. Hopefully I'll have a bonus episode for you guys later this week. If not, we'll see you for episode 110. Uh, Spencer, I forgot to tell you, this was season six, episode nine. So that's nice. Nice. How did they find you on Twitter?
2: Find me on Twitter at Spencer Maddox, underscore. Don't you dare forget that underscore before I forget Hawk ceiling 7, dude.
0: Ooh, I Stepping. forgot. We have the Hawks. We can call them the Hawks. They are the Hawks. They are the Hawks. They are the Hawks.
2: Hawks. The Again. Red Hot. Hawk ceiling seven. That's all I'm gonna say.
0: Travel to yeah. Twitter. Eight seed ceiling for the Hawks. My Twitter at Jordan Sports for the show. It's at podcast grits, the hot grits on Instagram. Rate, subscribe, follow. We're on um, I should tell people, we're on Amazon Music now, so you can. Ask your, uh, what what do you call it? Your smart device at home? Like Siri or or not Siri, what is it called? Alexa. Yeah, you can ask your Alexa or whatever device you have to play Hot Grits podcast and that bitch should do it for you. Uh, Hey Alexa,
2: when you're done gathering my data, will you play the Hot Grits podcast for me?
0: Till next time, stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals. Peace.
4: Well, it's springtime in the valley on Magnolia Lane. It's the August National and the master of the game. Who wear that green coat on Sunday? singing this tune, Augusta, your dark woods and pines, they play on my mind like a song, Augusta, it's you that Well it's Watson, and Byron Nelson, and Demeric, and Claire, and Steed. And it's Amen's Corner, and it's Hogan's Perfect Sway. It's Sarah Double Eagle, at the 15th and 35, and the spirit of Clifford Roberts that keeps it alive. Augusta, your dark woods and pines, they play on my mind like a song, Augusta, it's you that I love, it's you It's the legions of Arnie's army and a golden bear's throne, wooden shafted legend, Bobby Jones.